Hello and welcome to At Home with the Lalas, the podcast where myself, Laura Prodelska and Lara Fraser check in with people all around the world and find out how they are coping during COVID-19 times. Last week we had on Matt Haig, who is a best-selling novelist, and he gave us some incredible, insightful information. So if you want to listen back to it, you can listen right here. And this week we have on Louise Hazel, who is an actual Olympian. Do you know any Olympians? No, babe, I don't exactly have a little black book of Olympians. <laughs> Maybe soccer players. I've never Olympians. met an Olympian. Yeah, I've said right, right. I do not know any Olympians other than the gorgeous Louise. And I'm proud to say that not only is she an Olympian, she competed in the heptathlon division. Yeah. So she competed in seven different events it's in the Olympics. That there's so much more to her. She's an activist. She owns the Slay Gym in Los Angeles, which is now actually a movement, I would mm. even say. And yeah. how would you describe Slay? So she started a movement called Slay Challenge and was mm. one of the quickest to adapt to COVID because what she did is she took her online platform and provided a free gym service and actual inspirational training system for women for free online and it's called the Slay Challenge. Yeah. So it was incredible and she did it with her friend Sophia Bush and they really made something accessible for people in lockdown. Mm. I think thousands of women signed up and in the end yeah. it was just a huge success. Mm. They probably made lives just a little bit easier and yeah. I feel very honored that she took time out because she's a very busy lady. Yeah and she's actually been using her platforms for so many great things at the yes. moment um, which we do discuss with her so I want her to speak about everything I in completely her own agree words. yeah so here we go Louise Hazel hi Louise hello my lovely how are you hello girls the lalas I'm very well thank you I want to say a huge thank you for coming on our show and where are you right now uh, so I am in Hollywood. I'm at the Slay Gym over on Hollywood Boulevard. Laura, you'll know because you've been here um, and sweated with me. <laughs> I have. And, and yeah, I have to say it was the hardest workout I think I've ever done in my life. And it was the best and most rewarding. So thank you. And I'll be back very, very soon. I wanted to see how you are in general, first of all. In the UK, we're pretty, we're pretty locked down. What's it like in Los Angeles? Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is 2020. Um, I don't think anybody could have expected this turn of events for this year. It's like nothing we've ever experienced before, before, you know, a global pandemic um, and wide scale proportions. Los Angeles, um, we were, I would say, late to the party in terms of locking down. I know America um, really feel like they could have gone into lockdown sooner, which would have you know, prevented perhaps a lot more deaths and, and widespread um, or spreading of the virus. Uh, we were one of the first states to kind of go into full lockdown. San Francisco went very heavily into shutdown and then the governor of California announced shutdown. I think it was on the 15th of, no of, of March, which was a couple of maybe a week before you guys went down in London. Two, we thought we would only be locked down for two weeks and then um, the stay at home order that they put in place here, which basically said, you know, staying at home unless it's for essential activities like shopping, hospitals were still open, obviously here, doctors and like emergency appointments to the dentist. So really 
just essential travel only. And so um, my business was completely shut down. Obviously, we have a gym here. And at the time, we, when you were thinking, oh, this is going to be a couple of weeks, of course, not a problem. I, you know, as a person who advocates for health and fitness and, and people's welfare, shutting down my business um, for a couple of weeks was absolutely the right thing to do. However, we're now kind of 12 weeks in and it's become very clear in California, um, and perhaps not like it is in London, that people are, you know, we're now in another global crisis and staying at home is no longer on the agenda. There's been very much um, a widespread acceptance and we've actually just opened bars again yesterday, restaurants and outside seating is, is open, but people are now really... Um, doing their best to not stay at home we've already you know been able to exercise outside and stuff like that but so far as the regulation of staying at home I think that's pretty much over I think California's had enough. Were the regulations officially ended or was this something that was brought on by the people and the general unrest? Um, So I think it's really the people of California that decided um, that lockdown was over and that's pure and simply because unlike in the UK you know, UK, we're very, we, we have kind of like a, a, na- a nationwide declaration and that's it. Um, and whilst we have our counties, our counties don't have power. So if you imagine in the US, um, there might be a nationwide call to be on lockdown, but effectively the, ch- the states are in charge of their kind of own laws and regulations as well. And so they have much more control over Um, And then it breaks down even further into county level. So, for example, at around about week 10, which was about two weeks ago, um, certain beaches in the state of California were closed. However, um, certain beaches in the counties were open. And so you could drive an hour north to Santa Barbara and sunbathe on the beach. However, if you drove 30 minutes to Santa Monica or to um, Huntington Beach, then you are only allowed to walk your dog on the beach or walk or be participating in some sort of physical activity. And so people were really just fed up of, well, why is it that we can sunbathe over here and enjoy the weekend and enjoy some outdoor time, leisure activity and space in the open air, yet down here we're being prevented from even gathering at the beach And so people were kind of like, this doesn't make sense. It's completely contradictory. And more importantly, like we're adults and we understand the the idea of um, social distancing allow us to govern ourselves. Thank you. That really makes it clear for us. Now, how did you as a one woman business decide on the Slay Challenge model? Well, I think the interesting thing was, you know, initially, your intention. I'm shutting down in order to protect um, the welfare of my clients. And so, like I said, initially, I thought that that was going to be a short term fix. And in January, I was already creating our online platform, the Slay Challenge, and we'd already launched it in February. So weirdly, it was coinciding with um, our next uh, influx and intake of online clients. So I basically moved pretty much all of our business online very quickly and focused on building the online um, platform uh, well building the online training just putting on more material and rather than you know being in the gym and 
coordinating sessions and so on and so forth because obviously the gym then didn't have any in-person clients I was like okay let's put all of the in-person clients that were on the gym onto the um, online plan that way they've got uh, something to get on with at home it was absolutely perfect for them and um, then I decided that you know what lots of people have literally just been laid off work they don't know how long it's going to be there for. They now found, find themselves at home without gym, without equipment. So I ended up launching a 21-day plan and opening it up for free with the help of one of my clients, Sophia Bush, who helped me to fund the platform fees so that we could lift the payment um, system. And we ended up offering 21 days of fitness for free to, I think it was around about, we went from having 100 women in February to 1,200 women on the platform in March in that first week of COVID. And so that meant a lot of work for me because everyone on the app has access to me via direct message. And so I was at one minute talking to 100 women, the next minute I'm getting a huge influx and barrage of people asking for support and help with their ab crunches. It was a lot. The fact that you managed to provide free fitness and a bit of normality to people during these times is incredibly inspirational. I did want to segue into another source of power that you are giving to people at the moment. Um, I've been on your Instagram page and you're talking about incredibly important issues right now. You've been discussing the George Floyd murder. You've been discussing the peaceful protests and the riots and everything in between. And you also spoke about a post from Lady Victoria Harvey that was posted on her social media. Can you tell us exactly how this happened, what happened and what people's responses were? Um, yes, yeah, so I'll give you the breakdown. I woke up on Sunday morning um, with the intention of doing some work, found myself um, checking my phone. And I had a message from one of my friends saying um, that they'd just seen something that they thought I might need to see. It was on Victoria's page. And I went and checked it out and I saw the post that she posted. And it was actually um, a photo of a statue of it was a Confederate statue, actually, of Robert E. Lee in Virginia. Um, And I'll come back to that because there's some relevance there. And. Uh, underneath the caption of the statue, the statue had been defaced by um, protesters. I, not even protesters. The fact the statue had been defaced by vandals um, in support of Black Lives Matter. And um, her caption was, you know, effectively, don't ever tell me that this is acceptable behaviour. And then with the words, fuck Black Lives Matter, you can beat that out if you want. And, you know, as a young black woman having lived in the UK and now living in Los Angeles and actually, you know, so being here during this time and um, fighting and and being out and protesting to see that on a person who you regard as your friend's page was absolutely shocking, completely shocking. And so um, the interesting thing was if I'd have seen that on my best friend Kerry's page, I would have felt instantly that Kerry would have been hacked because it would have been so far outside of her character that I would have automatically have known this is not this is unusual for her. Now, the interesting thing is 
when I saw this, I DM'd Victoria privately and I told her how disappointed I was in her because my gut instinct told me this is a genuine post. And um, her response, I basically, you know, told her, to, you know, that actually, in fact, statues are not important, more important than black lives. What you're saying is that, you know, that statue has more importance than me. That statue has more importance than my mother. That statue has more importance than my brother. And more matter of fact, F you all, this statue should be here and you shouldn't. And so, and that's what it quite simply boils down to. The confusion as to what the statue was is completely and utterly irrelevant. So the fact that mentally she can see that image of vandalism and completely disassociate herself as to why that vandalism has occurred and has occurred right now. And she can focus so pertinently on the vandalism, yet hasn't once reached out to ask me how I am, hasn't once posted anything in support of this of um, Black Lives Matter, yet she lives about half a mile down the road from me here in Hollywood on the same boulevard that we were prost- protesting at on Sunday. So it's not like she hasn't seen what's going on in the world. She then proceeded to contact me via dm on instagram after i told her how disappointed i was and how she could keep her statues and basically um, enjoy the rest of her life and then um she reached out and she said honey i got hacked and i ended up posting the messages that she put on instagram and my initial feeling was sinking in my stomach i thought oh my goodness i've made a huge mistake and then she kept unraveling she kept texting until she got to the point where she said, um, it said, black, fuck, black lives matter, question mark, crazy. I know Victoria and I know her tone of voice. So the fact that she would question, because she said prior to that message that she'd seen that post and also someone had posted a Ray-Ban commercial on her account. And um, it was at that point I was like, hmm, why are you questioning what it said? You know exactly what it said. You just admitted it in the previous message. You saw it. They also posted something else. So why are you then reiterating to me what I just told you? I was like, there's this something not quite right here. Something's a little bit off. I said, well, if that's the case, referring to her being hacked, then you better make a public statement. You know, and you better make a public statement fast, pure and simply, Victoria, because you, like me, as a public figure, If my account ever got hacked and somebody had posted on that account, fuck white people, I would be the first person to pull that, um, shut that account down, pull it down, replace it or make a public statement on my account with my face on it, not text, saying, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Like my account has just been hacked. To anybody who's seen that message, please understand that that they were not my words. They were not my words. And so I said to her, well, you know, go ahead, make a public uh, public statement. And her response to that was a statement where, like, where do you think? On your Facebook page and your Instagram page, in the exact same place where I found that derogatory statement. And more importantly, that racist statement, let's be real, about black black lives matter. And so I was like, um, there was just this lack of, I had this sense that there was this lack of accountability. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And I'm like, then deal with it. I thought, you're not dealing with it. You're actually choosing to be on Instagram right now. 
um, trying to put out my fire that I've thrown in your face. But if you were dealing with it, then quite simply that post, your account or whatever would have been pulled down, passwords changed, and you would have corrected it immediately if you were that kind of person. But you've proven yourself not to be. And then she followed it up with the comment, you're insane. And it was at that point I knew I'd made the right decision, which was I told her, you know, I'll take this post down, which is basically calling you out on your bullshit. I'll take this post down as and when you do the right thing and you let people know that that wasn't you. And the fact that she could not understand the, that what she needed to do as a person who is not racist and is friends with a black woman was her admission of culpability. She then proceeded to um, hit go on my page and tell everybody in my feed how innocent she was and how and how hacked she was. And I was like, Victoria, don't worry about my page because I will apologise publicly if I put you in the spotlight. Go. We're just looking at each other as you're speaking because we obviously this is very different to hear it from you. And then, the, you know, the interesting thing after that, you know, was that she made her profile private. Uh-huh. So rather than deal with when she said, I'm dealing with it, her way of dealing with it was to shut out the people that were calling her out for being racist. Uh-huh. It wasn't to make her statement of anti-racism. It wasn't to saying, I do not condone racism. That and I was hacked. She did the complete opposite thing and made her account private. And then, um, you know, aside from that, uh, I then was then started to receive because I posted it publicly in our conversation and how it played out. And I asked her to take accountability for the spread of racism by stating that she was hacked, so on and so forth. Long story short, I then started to receive a um, couple of screenshots that people had taken from the previous week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is one that I posted regarding her comments um, about George Floyd, you know, having a criminal background. And it was at that point I knew, you know, it's not a case of exposing anybody. This is 2020. All I simply had to do was repost. You had to do was state. <laughs> state the wrong state thing. State the wrong thing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's this coin that's being used and this term that's being used right now that silence is violence. And it's 100% right, because you might not necessarily be, um, there's two things I don't want to, don't want to shame anybody into speaking up about a cause, you know, that isn't important to them. But if the stomping out races, if you have black friends, like, you know, whatever, if you literally, if you are anti-racism, you need to speak up now. You cannot say silent. It doesn't matter whether it, you feel it's too late and you've missed the bandwagon, because I've seen so many presenters in Great Britain, and I'm not going to call them out right now. I'm not going to call them out. Um, I'm not going to shame them, but I am ashamed of them. I am ashamed of them because sports presenters, who do you think you're going to be, who do you think you're going to be commentating on, you know, when sports pick back up in the UK? All of those black footballers, all of those black athletes, yet you're there actually just posing in your new lycra. And so there's this complete disconnect. And, you know, forgive me, because I am in the middle of Los Angeles. And on Sunday, I had 50,000 people, including myself, marching in support of George 
um, Floyd, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. But I also tuned in, I think it was that morning or the morning before, to Anthony Joshua, who was out at a park in Watford. And I nearly cried because the amount of people that came out to support and show their solidarity. And I'm not saying it was white. It was black pe- just black people alone. The young communities, diverse communities that understand exactly what is right and what is wrong and know how to rally together and get behind one another. Yet sometimes our public figures in the UK and the, you know, simply don't want to acknowledge it. It's too, um, they don't get, there's a disconnect. And the, the problem is that there's a disconnect and they don't see it. They're choosing not to see it. And they're choosing not to say anything about it. And that tells me one thing and one thing, two things. It tells me that they don't have any close black friends And the black friends that they do have in the entertainment industry haven't said enough. Wow, it really is crazy how a lot of people cannot look beyond their own experiences and are very comfortable in silence. I did also want to ask you about another post where you called attention to CrossFit being cancelled by Reebok. And it was due to CEO Greg Glassman posting an insensitive tweet regarding George Floyd. Could you let us know a little bit more information about that? This is a really, this is a sad one because CrossFit has an extremely strong community. However, um, their um, CEO is known for being quite controversial. And last, I think it was last week, he took part in a Skype call where he um, and this was also posted to my page as a, a um, performance director, Mike Young, was actually in attendance and wrote a beautiful article on it for anybody who wants to read. It's currently in my bio. And basically he was going, this is prior to what he said on Twitter, which was um, in response to um, a, health, an organi- a health organization, um, you know, denouncing racism his tweet to that was, it's Floyd 19, which was just so insensitive and tone deaf and just spoke volumes about what he'd rather focus on than uniting this community, this global community that he's created with 13,000 affiliate gyms across the world That's not just in white America, that's across the world. So think of the the diversity that is going to be turning up at those CrossFit gyms. He's alienated all of those people that look to the thing that he created as something to consume that's better for their health. How can you ingest something that's better for your health when it comes from a poison source? And so, you know, Reebok has basically announced the end of their partnership, which was supposed to be renewed at the end of this year. They're cutting ties with them. Rogue Fitness, a huge um, equipment provider, amazing equipment as well, have announced that um, they will be removing their logo and are now figuring out the way to go, the way that they're going to navigate this situation. Athletes in the CrossFit community, um, you know, uh, from all backgrounds, black, white, etc., will have basically stepped down in terms of their participation. And so now there's a call for one of the leaders in CrossFit to potentially set up their own thing. And this is the thing. It's the end of CrossFit as we know it as a brand in terms of having its, um, 
you know, elevated platform because there is no doubt there will be people that that won't, that won't bother them or they'll continue to go to a local CrossFit gym. They'll continue to, to support Greg Glassman. I'm talking about the, you know, thousands of people who do not stand for that and now stuck, you know, waiting to be led. And there will be a leader emerge and CrossFit will be sad to see all those people go. That uh, methodology will exist. It will be called something else. And CrossFit as a brand, as we know it, I think is quite rightly done. Agreed. And, um, you know, I posted yesterday and again, got into a little bit of an Instagram battle, which is just not my style. So the fact that I've been very, very vocal, um, you know, I care about this. You know, this, you know, this is something that is very close to my heart. And I mentioned, um, you know, CrossFit, move out the way, Slay is coming because we're female, we're diverse and we came to take up space. And this is space in the fitness industry that we have been prevented from um, occupying, just like in the entertainment industry. Why are we still clapping when there's a nomination at the Oscars for one black person? Why is there still, you know, years that go at the Oscars and entertainment where um, there are no nominations for black people at all? Now, think about that, like in the fitness industry, an industry largely dominated facts by um, white men, and then second to that, white women, then third to that, um, men of colour, and fourthly and lastly, women of colour. And so we are so down the food chain in terms of importance when it comes to the fitness industry that the reason, which is the reason, not I didn't build Slay Brand and I didn't start on this mission in spite of that, I did it because of that. I did it because there are so many women out there, people out there that are not being heard and are not being spoken to. And so comments from Greg Glassman um, that are extremely divisive alienate those people and feel like they don't have a home to go to. And that's the exact reason why I built this gym. I love everything you've just said. Actually, I'm, I'm speechless. Obviously, you are my friend. You're an incredible inspiration. So I wanted to ask you what your personal hopes are for the future. My hope for the future isn't just equality, it's justice. Because quite simply, there can be no equality without justice served first. It's not enough to be to turn around and say, well, you know, we gave you more jobs. But did we get a conviction for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor? It starts right there. And so now it's about my hope for the future is that we can continue this movement just like we continue celebrating pride every year. We continue pushing forward collectively against uh, in, in, in support of anti-racism in support of Black Lives Matter. And um, we welcome in anybody that walks with us. And I think the important thing that has really emerged from this time and this particular movement is that for the first time, it hasn't been black people against the rest of the world. It has been all of us against racism. And that's the first time I feel like we felt united. And so it's the first time I feel like we really have a chance to um, bridge and close the gap. 
And so for me, the future looks like, um, if I'm being completely and utterly selfish, the future looks like a diverse version of CrossFit that has a diverse leader. The future looks like um, us not being surprised when um, multiple black people win at the Oscars. Um, not being surprised when a person of colour um, becomes the leader of the free world or the prime minister in the UK. Um, that's when I know, uh, that's what I'm hopeful for. And that's when I know when we've really achieved some, some fundamental change. Thank you so much. That was incredibly inspirational, yes. everything that you just said. And thank you for being honest and being so brave to stand up because I know you have a business. I know you're a one-woman show and yeah. it is incredibly brave and inspiring to not only all your fellow sportsmen or it's it's incre it's inspiring for humanity um, well i just want to say girls i'm thank you um for your sistership um like you've you've always been you know used your platform to kind of elevate women and and you've always kind of stood against injustice no matter what it is and so i'm like i'm not surprised you're with me but i'm really freaking grateful that you are so thank you, ladies. That was Louise Hazel um, in her own words. I have to say that I'm incredibly moved. I, I'm literally moved to tears. I think it was so brave and courageous for her to come on today and speak her truth. And it was really eye-opening for me and I genuinely appreciate it. Louise, we appreciate everything about you and support you. Thank you so much for coming on our show. If you've enjoyed listening to this interview, please subscribe to our channel and review. We read and listen to everything and take all of your comments into consideration. So thank you for listening today. And we will see you very shortly.